You are listening to the Real Faith Stories Podcast. Interviews with people who chose to boldly follow their faith. I'm your host, Brian Robinson. Now, let's meet our guest and hear their story. Amy, it is awesome to have you on Real Faith Stories. I'm really excited to talk with you today about the topic of prayer and dig into that with you. Before we do that, would love to hear a little bit about your backstory, please. It's such a pleasure to be here. It's such an honor. You have amazing guests and you've done such a beautiful job curating their stories. So thank you. Thank you. My parents started a homeschooling company because they wanted to allow missionaries to stay on the field for one more year. So I grew up in a home that was really dedicated to the Great Commission, very strong in prayer. They They always had their staff be able to pray on the clock. So paid prayer has been a part of Sunlight for 31 years now. And so that was just the culture I grew up in. This is fascinating already to me. The name of the curriculum that your parents started is called Sunlight, right? Yes. It just so happens we went through a season of homeschooling our children, and my wife used that curriculum. She absolutely loved it. And you're... (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Small world. And so your parents had, this is what's really intriguing to me, paid staff that prayed for the success of the company. Is that correct? Kind of correct. And so what they had, and we didn't actually realize this until 30 years later when we hired an intercessor, but originally what we had is we asked for the Lord to bless the work of our hands. We asked the Lord to bless our customers. We asked for the staff, for safety, for our vendors, that the Lord would bless them. We prayed for unreached people groups. We pray for requests that come in from our customers, kind of covering the entire Sunlight family with prayer. Interesting. Tell me more about your backstory with respect to growing up in that uh, environment? So it was really a beautiful place to grow up. You know, my dad, he was on staff with the U.S. Center for World Mission. He edited their monthly magazine. And so I knew that they did 24-hour day prayer at the center. Both my parents would take maybe the 2 to 4 a.m. shift once a month, Mm. and they had morning prayer every day on staff. And so that was just part of our family culture. We would read the Global Prayer Digest to pray for unreached people groups in the evening. At different times, I think my parents would probably go on retreats and learn about prayer, and then they'd come home. And that was pretty sporadic, and it never... That wouldn't be really a constant. It's more just kind of an occasional memory that I have from my childhood. So prayer was obviously a cornerstone of your family and kind of a mark for your family, wasn't it? It really was. Yes. Such a privilege. And so now I'm curious about this 30-year period. Your mother mentions to you, we never prayed for increase. Uh, Let's dig into that. Tell me about the context of that conversation and what happened as a result of that. I would need to go back a little bit before I could do that. So in 2007, there was a couple at our church. We went to a little hippie church in Boulder, Colorado. It had been started by a person who just wanted to help the hippies not do drugs. And so, but, I love it. you know, after, I know <laughs> after 30 years or however long, a lot of them had moved away. And so our church was shrinking. So this couple said, Hey, Phil and Amy, would you join us in prayer over the summer to kind of look for direction from the Lord? And I was not 
a dedicated intercessor. I had three young sons. And so for me, it was like a very occasional prayer while I was changing a diaper or making dinner, like, Lord, what do you have for us next? Kind of occasional lobbying of prayers. I just don't want anybody to think that I was like really dedicated to this topic. And then there was a day I was out walking with my boys and I felt like the Lord said, go start a farm. That was pretty much completely out of left field. And so my husband came home that evening and he is an engineer by background and trade. And he said, I was driving in the mountains from a job site and I think the Lord said, go move to a farm. And nothing, yeah, nothing like that had ever happened to us before. That was really unexpected. (laughs) So, but we were like, well, that, you know, you read stories like that, we probably better do it. And so we did and everything died. You know, in the two years that we spent kind of preparing, we read all these books and we watched movies and we we really strategized as best we could. And in my mind that we were going to be like Jacob because we'd had this amazing call. Mm. And so I had built it up as like, and then our animals are all going to have lots of babies and it's going to be amazing. You know, our fields are going to be so flush with all the crops. And the reality wasn't anything like that at all. And mm. so... That was that was a little bit of a challenge. Like, what do you do when you have what you think is the call of God and it doesn't really turn out at all like what you're expecting? Yeah, what did you do? Well, I'm not going to say I did exactly the right thing, but I did what it, I did what I thought I could do. So, at the time, I just kind of walked away and I was like, "Phil, you need to run the farm if you want to, but you don't have to. I don't really see an economic viability for this specific endeavor that we're trying to do." So I I really backed away from farming and then af- my husband did too after a few years. And the, the beautiful thing for him is because we had tried so many different endeavors, one of the things that he found that he really liked was dealing with trees. And we live in Virginia and that's one of the few things that grows just voluntarily. They're like weeds. And so he and a couple of friends started a tree service business. And so in that regard, the Lord did direct us from our time in Boulder as suburbanites and professionals for my husband to do something where he works with his hands and all of the men have larger families. So they're all hoping at some point to be able to employ our children as they grow up. And so there is kind of a redemptive narrative for my husband. Mm -hmm. Um, My own narrative, I was talking to the Lord about this recently. So partially what happened when we moved to the farm is I felt like everything was trying to kill us isn't actually unrealistic because I didn't know about copperheads. We had them. I didn't know about ticks. We've had them many times. I didn't know about poison ivy. I got to the point where I had picked so many bags of poison ivy that I could look at the ground and see a little stalk without any leaves or anything and I'd say, that is a stem of poison ivy. So I kind of felt like the anti-herbalist, like I can identify the bad plants, not necessarily the good ones, but the bad ones I know well. And uh, so every day I would pray for protection because I felt like everything was trying to kill us. And so there was one day my husband was driving up in town and he came home and he said, I was almost in a horrific accident. And he had all the boys with him and it was just... I could tell by how shaken he was that he this was really serious. And uh, then I rewound in my mind and I realized I hadn't prayed the prayer protection that morning. And uh, and I just kind of gave up at that point because I was like, Lord, I am imperfect because I'm human. And so I don't know what to do with my imperfection. I feel like if I don't pray right, that my family like literally could die. And so I don't want to be a prayer person. Like I just want to be in a trench and stay hidden and then the enemy can shoot over my head, but I will be safe even if I'm not really being very powerful in the kingdom. Like 
fine. If that's what it takes, that's what it takes. So let me pause here just for a moment. I just want to kind of summarize what I've heard thus far, and that is both you and your husband on the same day independently hear a word from the Lord to start a farm. You dig in for the next two years. You're educating yourselves. You finally pull the trigger and you do this. You get out to that farm and then it feels like everything's trying to kill you. And now we get to this point where your husband had this almost horrific car accident and you're asking the Lord, can I just kind of disappear and not be anywhere but in a trench here? Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, that would be a perfect summary. Okay. <laughs> exactly. All right. Yeah. Let's continue, please. <laughs> okay. So that place of being in a trench, in my mind, that lasted about eight years. And the reality is I would still be identified by my friends as a person of prayer. I just, I like to learn. And so I would study healing prayer and then practice it on anybody who was willing to have me try. I'm curious the whole farm thing, did you guys wind up staying there and then going back into, quote, professional kind of life or what happened there? Well, so my husband, he does still do engineering a little bit on the side, but mostly what he does is the tree service. And okay. so in some ways, they're the most overeducated tree service ever because <laughs> they have, I think one of them has a law degree and like has practiced law, but they all are former professionals who now work with their hands, which is pretty fun. And then for me, like the closing of the loop for me is is still coming. <laughs> oh, it's still coming. Yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? Meaning it's like coming chronologically in my story. So I asked the Lord, why did you call us to do something that was so that felt so epic and then have it fail so spectacularly? And I feel like I have answers at different seasons. So about five years in, the farm wasn't the only thing that was really difficult in that season. But I asked the Lord, like, what is it? What made this so hard? And what he said to me was, there are riches available that you did not avail yourself of. And as an English major, I loved it that God um, ended that sentence with a preposition. But that idea that there were riches available that I didn't avail myself of, I thought, oh my goodness, Lord, you're right. I didn't read my Bible enough. I didn't pray enough. You're right. It was just on me. And then a full decade after we had moved, I was again kind of asking the Lord about this because that didn't seem like a very gracious response. I mean, I get it, but I, it still didn't fully satisfy in the sense of that didn't feel quite as gentle as the Lord normally would, a little bit more self-condemning than I would have expected. And so I was asking the Lord about it again, like, what was that, Lord? And at that time, I felt like the Lord said, there were riches available, but you didn't know what they were. These exist in the world, but you didn't have access to them yet. You hadn't learned about them yet. And so things like healing prayer and deliverance and breaking of curses and all of these aspects of prayer that I don't feel are super well known in the church, all of those, I think, contributed to that farming situation. And then just even now it's two years later, and in the last couple of months, I asked the Lord again, like, really? Was that really what that was about? And he kind of laughed and he said, it was also for your refining. I was like, oh, that is that is hard to take, but I can receive it. It's uh, very difficult when you think you're really pursuing the will of God and you both independently heard this, right? Yes. So you've got confirmation yes. and then you go through this really hard season and man, I can relate to that. But that's okay, because at the end, on the other side, oh my goodness, what you've learned, usually, 
is worth the pain. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So let's talk about that. What has this diving into other aspects of prayer done in your life and how is that being applied now? Yeah. So in terms of really diving into prayer, you know, I had studied healing prayer and then one of my friends had a recurrence of cancer and died at 56. Mm. And that was in 2015. And I kind of felt like maybe healing prayer isn't that effective. And I kind of set it on the shelf. And around that same time that my friend got sick, I broke out in a rash around my mouth. And the diagnosis was perioral dermatitis, which just means an inflammation around the mouth, which Mm -hmm. I was like, yes, I get it. (laughs) Anybody looking at me could see it. Exactly. And so for the next four years, I tried probably over two dozen different therapies and doctors and medicines and natural remedies. I adjusted my diet. I did cleanses because it's my face. I don't want to have something that's a rash on my face. And so in uh, June of 2019, I went to a healing prayer conference and The reality is I really was more going just as I wanted to know more about healing prayer. To me, the rash at that point was kind of just a part of my life and it was so entrenched. I didn't really think about it. It was sort of like, well, if this gets healed, that would be great, but I don't know that it will. And so the first day that we were there, Judith was speaking and she asked us all to stand up and she said, When people come to these times of healing prayer, there's probably between 90 and 98% of the people that she meets are dealing with some level of self-loathing. And so she said, let's just rebuke the spirit of death and bind it and send it to Jesus and just get rid of it. And she led us all in a really simple prayer. And it went something like this. I see you, spirit of death. I refuse to partner with you. Go to Jesus. And in the place of that, thank you, Jesus, that you bless me with life. And then we all sat down. You know, when I left that conference, I thought, wow, I feel so much lighter. And what I had not really thought about in some years at that point is that when we had first gotten married, every day I would think, I wish I were dead. And every time I thought it, I would think, that is so odd. Everything in my life is really beautiful. There's no reason for me to wish I were dead. Where is this coming from? And I couldn't figure it out. And so when we cast off the spirit of death, I thought, well, maybe that's what was on me, was the spirit of death. And about four days later, that same thought came to mind. But this time, I knew what it was. And so I was like, oh, no, no, you're not allowed back. I'm walking in life. And so that was kind of a little side benefit. But what astonished me is the day after that experience at this conference, I was chatting with another one of the conference attendees, and she asked if I had been blessed. And I said, oh, my goodness, I have been blessed and blessed. It's been so beautiful. You know, I came to this conference, and I really felt kind of disfigured and deformed from this rash. And she looked at me, and she said, have you had those curse words broken off of you? And I was like, what are you talking about? I just, I didn't ever think of those as curse words. To me, those were just descriptions of mm-hmm. what my face looked like. And so she said, oh no, those are curses. And so she just said, I take the sword of the spirit dipped in the blood of Jesus. And I cut Amy free from these words of disfigurement and deformity. And in the place of that, I bless her with the ability to see herself as a daughter and a beautiful daughter of the king. Something like that. Just beautiful, simple, did not take very long. And so what fascinated me is when I left this conference, my face hadn't yet healed. But what had changed is that when I looked in the mirror, I didn't see the red inflammation first. What I saw was a daughter who was walking out my healing with Jesus. Mm. And probably about four months after that, 
I was looking in the mirror and I realized, oh, that rash isn't here. But I actually don't know what day it left because I had just been walking out my healing with Jesus. And so that was so profound for me, both that sense of having a real deliverance from a spirit of death, as well as seeing how easy it is to get rid of the the curse words and the words that we speak over ourselves, that I thought, this is incredible. First of all, that this is so powerful and effective that, you know, this awful phrase that ran through my head for years that I could in 15 seconds pray against it and have it broken off permanently. It was astonishing to me. And I I have gone through months, maybe years even, of just that verse in Hosea 4, 6 that says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. It would make me weep daily because I thought, Lord, we live in an information age. There should be nothing difficult about getting information out to people. And so the fact that the church is still going about feeling that they're under a spirit of death or that they're exhausted and weary or that they have no ability to hear God's voice or that they have no clarity. All of these things, that's not okay. And so that really became kind of my passion and my message. Like I want people to see how effective prayer is. Wow. What blows my mind is your statement that you could have been released from this years ago with a short 15 second prayer. I know. It's kind of making me cry right now. I'm sure people listening to this, including myself, we have these tapes that run in our mind, and it's amazing. Until we get quiet and really become still, we're so used to hearing this that we don't recognize it. It's like we've become so, it's become such a familiar part of the way we think, and we need God's help to see those and hear those things so that we can identify them and get rid of them. Yes. And, you know, for me, I I have five boys. They range from 19 to seven. And so for me, as a homeschooling mom, it is not easy to even find that place of being quiet. And so one of the things that for me, as a homeschooling mom, I really wanted was I wanted to be able to encourage moms that they could actually get in touch with God and be able to talk to God even in the midst of the chaos of their lives. Because I feel like sometimes we make prayer this thing of like, well, the good people who pray, the imaginary ones that you've probably never heard of, they are off silent, like being hermits for like eight or 10 hours a day. Right. And, and you know, like, and so we have this kind of perception of like, well, if you can't be a nun, you're pretty much screwed. And for me, what I was really wanting is I wanted to be able to say, you know, if the first thing in the morning when you get up, if all you do is say, what would you have me do today, God? That is still an effective prayer. Or if, as you're going through your day and you think, I don't know what to make for dinner, you can say, Lord, what do I make for dinner? <laughs> and then you can like listen and he'll tell you an answer. And so, but I think along with your point of those tapes that we run in our heads, in some ways, I think it's just easy, or it's it could be as easy as saying, what is it that's making me not feel good right now? Or what is it that's making me feel oppressed or slowed down? Like, is there something that makes me feel like I'm trying to get through mud or through quicksand? And then to say, well, what is it? Am I just dealing with a lack of clarity? Well, then I need to say, that's not okay. I bind that in the name of Jesus. I send it to him. And in the place of that, Jesus, you say that you give us power, love, and a sound mind. So I want the sound mind that you promise because you're not a man that you should lie. That's so good, Amy. So this has fantastically morphed and I use that word very kindly. Yes. Into a ministry slash business now. Tell us about that. Yes. 
I tried to launch this little series on how to pray as you go about your day. And it just didn't, it didn't go very well. You know, the first time I launched it, my mom and sister and one friend went through and then two more friends that I bribed. And (laughs) so what was beautiful is that all five of them wrote to me at different times and said, this is changing my life. And so that was so gratifying. Was this a video series, Amy, or audio or? Thank you for asking. It was 21 days of simple prayers that you can pray as you go about your day. And I called it the prayer refresh. And it was just like, if you already kind of feel guilty about your prayer life, you can just read these little emails and have a single sentence or a prayer that's less than a minute that you can kind of insert at some point through your day. Okay. This was an email, basically one a day that the people would get. Okay, exactly. It was a little prayer challenge. And so I thought like, this is good content. It's changing the lives of these five people, but I need a bigger platform. And so my parents were so gracious because prayer has always been part of their company culture. So they launched it to their list and about 2000 people ended up going through that first time we launched it. And what was amazing was to get the emails from people, just how beautifully the Lord was working in their lives. But it was also so heavy because I I could feel the weight of the loneliness and the failure and the marital struggles and the struggles with children and anyway and so I was I was talking to the Lord about this because a few months before I had gone to marketing expert Perry Marshall and I had asked him how do I market something as unpopular as prayer and he had kind of chuckled and he had a really witty initial response but at the end of the day what his response was He said, Amy, go find an intercessor to pray for you, like go pay an intercessor. And so that was a little bit hard to swallow because at the time I had spent many thousands of dollars on development and research and training, and I had brought in less than a hundred. But I also feel like if you ask an expert for advice and you don't take their advice, then you're kind of wasting their time and yours. So I tried to hire different friends and I was asking for three hours a week because I don't need a single sentence or even a minute. Like I need dedicated, focused time. And so the four friends that I asked over a period of several months had pretty different responses, but the answer for all of them was no. I hadn't really anticipated that that would be hard because Mm -hmm. my own family culture, because we had had paid prayer for 30 years, that just seemed like something that you do and it's good and it offers benefits and that's great. And so then though, as I had these 2000 women going through the weightiness of all of these requests, it just kept building, you know, where I thought I... I'm reasonably okay at prayer, but I am not enough to cover all of these families. I need additional firepower. And so around that time, I was talking to my parents about different things in their business as well. And so we found an intercessor who really for 40 years, his the entire focus of his life has been, Lord, teach me to pray. And he had spent decades praying for ministries. He'd spent some time in the entertainment world. And fairly recently, he transitioned to praying for businesses. And so Bob Perry out of Nashville, we as a family hired him last June, June of 2020, to pray for our business. And, you know, for me, emotionally, it was a huge relief to feel like I am not the only one carrying these women who are going through this prayer experience with me. And then for my parents and their business and our extended family, it was amazing to see how we had already had intercession on behalf that the staff had been offering. Mm -hmm. But when we brought in somebody who was so dedicated and focused, the number and the amount of prayers and the power behind those prayers was, 
I had never seen anything like it. You know, there was one night, probably only about four days, maybe after Bob started praying for us, I texted him maybe 11 p.m. And I said, Bob, we've had 10 answered prayers today. Isn't that amazing? And he said, let's go for a dozen. (laughs) And so for me, it was astonishing, first of all, because I was really happy with 10. I, I already thought that was amazing. And so the possibility thinking of saying, no, we can do more. God has more for us. That was just, it was so exciting. It was so exciting to feel like we are actually getting breakthrough in certain areas. Let me clarify, Amy. You hired Bob to pray for sunlight? Yes. We hired Bob to pray for sunlight, but we also could recognize that no business is just a business. There's people who own the businesses. And so as part of, I guess, his promise to us, it's not just Sunlight Corporate, but it's the staff and it's our family and our extended family and our relationship with God, our relationship with other people, because that's all part of who we are. Okay. So you saw right away some pretty amazing things happening. Now, when you said that there were 10 prayers answered, was this prayers for people within your immediate circle, or were these people that were going through that 21-day prayer challenge, or is that totally unrelated? So, it would have been only prayers either for our family or our company. That wouldn't include prayers for kind of my email community. Gotcha. Yeah, but it, it, you know, that first month after that first dozen, I think we had at least a dozen. Some days we had two dozen answered prayers for the rest of the month. I mean, it was just unbelievable. But some of them were as big as we didn't even know this, but my husband's brother-in-law came down with spinal meningitis and had been on life support for three days. And then a week later, they his mom called and was like, oh, hey, you know, your brother-in-law was in the hospital, but he's fine now. You know, and so like Bob's prayers were covering that and we didn't even know it was a thing. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Well, this evidently so impressed you that you have now joined forces with Bob, haven't you? I have, yes. For me, I think because I had always loved prayer, but I was like, this is incredible. I've never seen anything like this. It was like, I want to get all of what you have, Bob. Like, I want to know what you've learned over the last 40 years. Mm -hmm. And so my background at Sunlight, because I worked for my parents for 20 years, what I would do is I would write curriculum, I would write books, I would write marketing materials. I was writing a lot of things. And But I thought, Bob, you haven't written any books. You have so much knowledge. The world needs to know about this. But then also, I want to be a prayer person like you. Mm -hmm. In fact, the first thing, this makes me laugh, the first thing I ever heard Bob say on a recording, he said, I am a fasting intercessor. And I was like, I had no idea anybody could describe themselves like that, but that's what I want to be. Wow. And so, yeah, it made me really happy to know there was somebody out, out there in the world who knew how to do that and who could train me in how to do that well. So then you joined Bob with the ministry called Workplace Prayer. Yes. Let's talk about that. So Bob had been praying for businesses for a couple of years, and he had a different name for his business. It's a little bit hard to remember. I don't remember it off the top of my head. And so when I joined with him, I said, Bob, we need a name that people could remember. And so we were just kind of batting around ideas. And so I thought, well, maybe workplace prayer, but that seemed like a stretch, like surely somebody will have that already. And so when we went to look for the URL, and it was available for the minimum bid. It, you know, first of all, we were super excited because it's way nicer to pay $9 or whatever oh, than yeah. 10000 or something. Right. But it also, like we, I would say I cried about that probably for a solid month because what it meant was that 
there is so much about prayer for churches or devotional prayer, you know, how to be strong in your prayer life. But it meant that there was just really nobody focusing on prayer for businesses where people spend, I mean, for a lot of people, that's the the majority of their week, not on a total hours, but like yeah. the most hours of the week they spend at work. And so to say there isn't anybody who's thinking about how to do this more strategically, it just seemed like a huge oversight in the kingdom of God. Yeah. And you know, this is a mind blow, I'm sure, to some people listening to this. I can pay someone to pray for my business? What? Isn't that a little, <laughs> isn't that sacrilegious? I mean- that's a little feels a little uncomfortable, but gosh, if it works, maybe someone's thinking these things, and I'm sure you deal with those questions. Absolutely. Absolutely. What do you say to that? That's just being really yeah. honest. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, I I feel like that it's so beautiful to address this because everybody thinks that. I mean, I thought <laughs> I was talking to Bob about it the first month, and I was like, So what makes you so special that you can do this? Right. Um, but even and even when talk when I was talking to Perry at first, you know, when he first recommended this, really. And so I I had to wrestle through this. So first of all, I could say my wrestling wasn't as hard because I had seen at that point for 30 years how the Lord had blessed my parents' business. And, mm. you know, the the board on the 30th anniversary sat down and went through to see what are some of the provisions that the Lord has given us. And, you know, across 30 years, and we don't have exact numbers of how many employees we've had at some point, but let's just say roughly 600. There was one divorce across all of those couples mm. in 30 years, and that one was amicable. It was a marriage later in life and an amicable split no children involved. So kind of if you have to have a divorce, best case scenario, we probably had on one hand really serious sicknesses. And across all of those people in all of the commutes, there was one accident, the car was totaled, but the young lady was fine. And it's like we went on and on reading these these beautiful testimonies of the Lord's provision. We had thought maybe we could get to 30 and we ended up at like 67 or 68. And then it was kind of like, we there actually needs to be a board meeting, not just to, not just talking about this, but the amazing provision of the Lord over prayer. And that was all paid prayer. And it was important for my parents to say, we're not going to offer to the Lord that which costs us nothing. Like we're not going to ask our staff to pray voluntarily because it, we are really going to be ones who are seeing the benefit. And yes, the staff will see the benefit because they'll maybe have better health or no divorce or something. But really what we're after is we we want to be compensating well the people who are serving us. And, you know, it's interesting when you think about the scriptures, there's a kind of an obscure passage where Saul has, Saul's dad has lost his donkeys and he's out looking for them and they can't find him. And Saul is like, hey, there's a prophet in the next town, but I don't have money. And the servant is like, well, I have some money. Let's just bring, let's just go ask the prophet if he knows where the donkeys are. Mm -hmm. And so there's, there's that example. And then when you think about also in the Old Testament, you have David and he had this really beautiful time where I, I didn't know this until I was in my 30s, but, you know, it talks about the tabernacle of David. And I had thought of that as the mosaic tabernacle. So Moses, they have the tabernacle in the wilderness that goes and stays at Shiloh. Well, David lived in Jerusalem and it said that he would go and sit before the Lord or sit before the, the ark. And so the ark was really just under a tent. And so how was that possible? Because in the days of Moses, the, the ark was very hidden and the, the priests all were you know, doing their things and it was the ark was behind veils and it was very sacred. And yet then here you have David sitting before the ark 
Well, scholars today think that it's because he had hired 4,000 people of prayer and 4,000 intercessors, or they called them gatekeepers, but basically the people who were there to guard and protect the temple. They were kind of offering a covering to that area. And then you think about how the nation of Israel was doing so well (laughs) under David, where there was this massive amount of prayer and intercession ascending. And so then if you shift to the New Testament, you know, when Jesus sends out the 12, it's really interesting because he sends them out and he says, freely you've received, freely give. And you kind of think like, yeah, nobody should be getting money for prayer. Like that doesn't Jesus just say this right here, freely you've received, freely give. Well, but when you think about it, as Jesus continues with what he's instructing them to do, part of his instruction is when you go into a house, if they're willing to host you, then bless them. And if you're blessing, if they don't want it, you know, it'll return to you. But I was thinking about that, like, Wow. So there were people in Israel who, for the price of a dinner and a bed, would get a blessing from a disciple who had walked with Jesus. And, you know, it was like, that seems like a pretty good exchange there. So those would be a few of the examples. I, I've i looked at this pretty extensively through the scriptures. And to me, I feel like the Lord loves it when his people are working in the things that they're supposed to be doing. And that he loves it when we're generous with those. And so I think also most people aren't too hung up on paying for a pastor or a worship leader. And so I think we do have on some level an understanding that there are works of the Lord that just people need to eat. And so, Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about some of the breakthrough experiences your clients have had as a result of you praying for them. A couple of stories spring to mind? Yes. So one of our clients is one of the largest privately held organic growers in the United States. And they were in the middle of harvest last fall. And I recorded a prayer for them. And I just said, Lord, this is harvest season. And anytime there's large equipment, there's the possibility for an accident. So just protect all who are working around the big equipment today and and be with them. And that was just one sentence in the midst of a longer prayer. And I sent it off. And I truly hardly remembered that I had said that because usually if I'm praying, it's just kind of in flow and it's fine. Well, about a week later, uh, my client emailed me and said that her farm manager had gotten caught around that same time that I was praying that prayer in the potato harvester, which is there's like a big chain that comes off the back and it's pulled by a very large tractor. I met the farm manager about a month ago and he said, yeah, it somehow it had grabbed him by the arms and it was sucking him in and like he was levitating off the ground because of the force of this experience. And he said, I don't know how I got out. Like it literally should have taken my head off. Like every, there were witnesses who were watching and they were very, very concerned about the situation, but somehow the Lord just protected his life. So that was really just amazing to, Mm -hmm. to hear that. So another one of our clients um, Stoll Brothers out of South Carolina. They were some of the first that hired Bob even before I came on board. And so they live in Abbeville, South Carolina. And they looked around a few years ago and said, we are losing ground in every way. There's more addiction. There's more divorce. There's more abuse. There's less education. There's less income. Like we as a family business have been here for oh, like close to 50 years. And yet our community is dying around us. And there's horrible ethnic tension, just really not going in the right direction. And so they hired Bob. And over the last few years, 
it's just been remarkable to see the transformation. And, you know, from a just economic standpoint, I forget the number of weeks at this point, but it's, you know, like 50, 60 some odd weeks in a row where it's been year over year record breaking sales. And this is a company that's been around like 52 years or something like amazing. But then also to see the reconciliation that's happening between the African-American churches and the white churches in that area and to see how the housing market is doing well and thriving and just overall the, the transformation that's come to that area. And then I could also say for my own family's business, when Sunlight started, Amazon wasn't yet a thing. And so to have a literature-based curriculum that's been able to stay in business at all despite the rise of Amazon, that feels already like a win. Well, when we hired Bob, you know, yes, it was in the middle the middle of COVID. And so as such, there was there's going to be kind of a natural increase of interest in mm-hmm. homeschooling. But what we saw was it was beyond what maybe we would normally have expected. I think the projections we were thinking maybe 2x in sales, and then it went to 3x, and then 4x, and then 5x. And wow. that was both really exciting, but also pretty concerning because our building did not 5x at the same time. Like sadly, mm-hmm. buildings don't just grow. <laughs> and so the concern was, how are we going to get all of these orders out? Because a lot of these are first-time homeschoolers. They're already disconcerted by the, just the state of the world and having a homeschool when they didn't expect that they that that would be part of their life story for this year. And so the, then it, the prayer kind of shifted from like, thank you for bringing in plenty, but then what are we going to do? Like, how are we going to get these orders out? And so that became a really deep point of intercession, just like, Lord, we need wisdom. And then we also need protection because we were running morning and evening shifts. There's so many people just really trying to get those school books out. And by the end of September, we were fully caught up on shipping out orders. Nobody had gotten sick. It was just like the hand of protection and the the provision and the ability to kind of think in new ways in Mm -hmm. order to make this really unprecedented situation work. It was just such a testimony to the Lord being so faithful. Incredible. What, in your experience now over these years, would you tell somebody who's listening to this and says, man, I'm, I'm frustrated with prayer. It's been such a negative experience for me because I don't feel like God even hears my prayers. What would you say to encourage somebody that may be thinking that or feeling that? So first of all, I would say, I feel like pretty much everybody feels like that. So you're not alone, but that's also a lie because it says in the scripture, my sheep hear my voice. And so the reality is if you walk with God, then you actually do hear God's voice. And so then I just want to pray right now. This won't be a long prayer, but I just ask Lord that the, the conduit that runs Holy Spirit from you to the mind and heart of each person, I ask that anything that is restricting the flow from you to them, that you would just blow that out in the name of Jesus. Lord, I ask that anyone who's hearing this would be able to hear clearly and directly from you. And Lord, I thank you that you are not a God who only speaks in one dimension. Like, well, if you're not hearing it from the scriptures, that's the only place to hear. Lord, I thank you that the ways that you can communicate with us, its I see it kind of more like a dandelion puffball, that there are inputs from you, Lord, coming in from all different directions, from nature, from friends, from the your voice speaking into our lives, from the scriptures. Lord, I just thank you that you are not at a loss for how to communicate to your people. Mm. And so, Lord, I'm asking that you would do that powerfully and well, and that there would be a true upgrade in the ability of anyone who wants it to be able to hear your voice this day. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you for praying that, Amy. What's another thing that you tend to counsel people about when it comes to prayer? What do you see bubbling up to the surface consistently as as an issue other than what you just addressed directly? It's kind of like a two-part answer to that. So first of all, I really want people to recognize that when you pray, you should expect results. Because even when you think about the Lord's Prayer, when he said, give us this day our daily bread, that wasn't just lip service, like, here's a nice phrase to just say. No, when Jesus said that, it was like, you expect that when you pray that God is going to answer this. But then I think the the other part, it kind of relates to even being able to hear from God. I think most of us feel like we're not very good at prayer, especially at the beginning and even for, for decades, honestly. Most of us don't have a whole lot of training. We're not like Bob. And so as a result, there's that sense of why am I not better at this already? I'm, you know, I kind of feel like I'm just a failure in this. And so when I first met Bob, I, I would kind of look around and think, nobody really feels like they understand how to pray very well. And emotionally, if you're on a scale of one to 10, you at least have some concept of what it might look like to be a 10 or to be a seven or to be a four. But in terms of prayer, I felt like I had never met anybody who believed that they were better on the scale of one to 10, then maybe a four, That's if good. it was a good day. Like yeah. most of us are kind of like a one or a two, right? right. <laughs> and so I asked Bob one of the first days, I was like, so Bob, on the scale of one to 10, where would you put yourself? And it was such a beautiful answer. He kind of chuckled and he was like, you know, Amy, for the amount that I have studied and thought about these things and prayed, I would put myself at a 10. But then what I loved that Bob said is he said, Amy, I believe that God loves everyone so much That no matter what prayer you pray and no matter how long it is, that you are already a 10 in God's sight and you always were. And so for me, I just want to bless people with that understanding that you already are beautiful in prayer to the Lord. Yeah, that's what I would say. Well, I just think about, Amy, your own son or one of my children coming to me and asking me for something. I don't have a stopwatch going, hey, dude, dudette, you didn't spend— right. 20 minutes asking me for this. So phew, I'm not going to answer you. I know. Right. I know. It's just the one, it's one or two sentences. Dad, mom, I need this. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, how can people find out more about workplace prayer? We have a website, workplaceprayer.com. And then if anybody has any questions about prayer, I would love it for them to email me. The the series is still available. And just go ahead and email me at amy at workplaceprayer.com. I'd be super happy to send you that kind of on-ramp 21 days of simple prayers you could pray as you go about your day. But also just any questions about prayer. I feel like Bob is so amazing and I'm so normal. (laughs) Come and ask me questions because I get it. Like I did not spend 40 years every day asking the Lord to teach me to pray. So I definitely can relate to all the fears and all the concerns and all the questions. That's great. Please take Amy up on that offer. I think it'd be well worth it. So as we finish up, Amy, would love to have you pray again for our listeners. Thank you. So Lord, I thank you for your heart, Lord, for your people. I thank you, Lord, that you are such a good and gracious Father. Lord God, and I ask that you would give to each one such a deep hunger for more of you. Lord, that there would be such a sense 
of how you desire to be at work in their lives. Lord, whether they're homeschooling parents or whether they're business people, Lord, or anywhere in the spectrum from young children to retirees who are looking for the next thing in life, Lord God, I am asking that you would pour out your spirit on them, that they would know what it is that you have for them this day and in this season, and that they would run their race with endurance. Mm-hmm. And Lord God, I just speak the blessing over them as my father would pray over us every night. And I ask, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace through Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Amen. Amy, thank you for being on the show. It was so good. Oh, it was such a pleasure. Thank you so much. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the show and share this with someone you believe would be encouraged and motivated by these stories. Until next time, I'm Brian Robinson reminding you that the greatest decision you could ever make is to ask Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life. If you haven't done that, read Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11. Thanks again for listening.